0: What's happening? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show. Part of the In the Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is what is today? Thursday, November the 9th, 2023. It's episode 180 of the pod. However, you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, in the Money podcast.com. You can also listen over on YouTube. Search bar, Matt Bernier show. You'll get this episode along with the 179 prior. As always, please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, bell icons lit up, comments, questions, the whole nine, the whole shebangabang. Go redhead. Right leave as much info as you possibly can because it helps not only this show, but all the other shows that are involved within the money media. Uh, Breeder's Cup in the rearview mirror. Last weekend, Santa Anita, big performances, the whole nine. Before we get into what this show is going to be about this week, unfortunate news with Cody Dorman passing on his way back from the Breeders' Cup. Uh, I don't have anything profound to say. Uh, Brave young man, brave family, knowing everything that they've had to deal with for his entire life and to to still be ready, willing, and able. And um, if, if there's any sort of, it's not a silver lining, but if, if there's any, anything to draw happiness from from those final few days of Cody's, um, he got to see his best friend go out there and strut his stuff and and deliver yet again in the Breeders' Cup and Cody's Wish. So uh, thoughts are with the family of Cody Dorman and everyone um, associated with, with him. Uh, again, remarkable young man and Um, everybody's thinking about the family now not an easy transition from a topic like that but in terms of horse racing Cody's wish the horse he may not be racing anymore he is since retired but he is still very much part of the storyline over these next two two and a half months leading into the eclipse awards and again a bit of a hard pivot but Let's talk about awards and specifically horse of the year. Because the real question is, who the hell is horse of the year? I I think this year is as as muddy as as I can remember in, in quite some time. Because you you've got horses that have got great credentials, but you don't have one standout. And and usually in a years like this, it goes to, you know, people just default to the Derby winner and Mage's record is just not up to snuff with some of these other horses. So I'm going to give. I've done this in the past, sort of, if you want to make the analogy to the sort of March Madness as you lead into Selection Sunday and the blind resume. So if you went ahead and you just. All you did was see what these teams, or in this case, these horses had accomplished, make your judgment. Make your decision. Now, I will project ahead that I I think not just because of resume, but because of the circumstances surrounding the horse and everyone involved, and I would have no issue with it. I do believe there's a more likely than not scenario that Cody's Wish ends up being Horse of the Year, and I, I don't think anyone could have a gripe with that because his resume does stack up very very competitively, and again. For all the the best reasons, from a, a human and from a, from an animal standpoint, uh, it, it would be hard to it would be hard to really take a, a strong stand against a horse like that, winning an award like this and knowing what it would mean to everyone involved. But in this case, let's just try to acknowledge that. But for the exercise's sake, let's see where Cody's wish would sort of stack up, you know, on his own merit, okay? After that, we'll dive into week 9 in the NFL. The 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 Panthers and, and Bears game is ongoing right now, and oof, what, a, oof, what a what a what a rough-looking matchup that is on paper. I think it's 7-nothing already in favor of Carolina. But for horse of the year, okay, I'm going to try to jumble this up as well as I can. I'm not going to give names. Some of you that are deep, deep into the handicapping or deep, deep into the fandom of these horses, you're probably already going to know who some of these runners are just based on the resume that I lay out. I'm not going to name races because that would be too easy. We would all know who those horses are. I'm not going to name what division some of these runners are in, but I will just sort of go through each of the horses. I have six of them listed. I'll give you their credentials, then pause, come back, reveal the horses, and give you an idea of who I would go for uh, purely in terms of, I think in my heart of hearts, I, I couldn't vote against a horse like Cody's Wish, but also in my heart of hearts, I don't know that I think he was the best horse this year. Again, you, it's very difficult to separate those two things given everything that's gone on over the past uh, four days, five days. So let's begin with probably the, the easiest horse to identify. I'm going to give you the resume. This horse has a third place finish in a grade one this year as well as two grade one victories. That's it. That is what this horse is bringing to the table In terms of why he or she should be horse of the year. okay. The next horse has two grade one wins, a grade two win, a runner up in a grade one, and a third place finish in a grade one. The next horse has three grade one wins, a grade two win, and a third place finish in a grade one. The next horse has three grade one wins, a second in a grade one, and a third in a grade one. The next horse has three grade one wins, a grade two win, a grade three win, an ungraded stakes win, and a second place finish in a grade two. And the sixth horse has two grade one wins, a grade two win, a grade three win and a second in a grade one, okay? If you need to slow it down and go back and listen to all that again, feel free to do so. In no particular order, again, I'm not going to reveal them sort of bit by bit, but the two grade one wins and the third in the grade one, that is your Breeders' Cup Classic winner, White Abarrio. Now, I think in many years a Whitney Breeders' Cup Classic double makes you a very viable contender. The concern would be for White Abario there is nothing else there from a resume standpoint. Third in the Met, sure, great, fine. I. It depends how much stock people put into a specific race because that, that double is probably better than any of the other doubles or triples or however many grade ones these other horses have won, that that double is probably better than anything else. But you you also have to question the caliber of competition. I think he was running against. We all talked about it. This year's classic not great. If we're just being brutally honest. Not a not a great classic. He lost the Met. Sure, he won the Whitney. Maybe it was that was him sort of just progressing on through. I, I couldn't vote for him. I don't think I could. It's not to take anything away from him. I just think that resume to me is too light to, to honor him as, as horse of the year, in my opinion. Uh, this horse, again, with two grade ones, a grade two win a second in a grade 1 and a third in a grade 1 maybe a name that some of you did or didn't expect to be on this list that is goodnight olive winner of the breeders cup Philly and mare sprint now she was she was good from start to finish this year i think actually her two best races of the year came in her last two races the Philly and mare sprint and then the run up at saratoga i guess the difficult thing to reconcile with a horse like Goodnight Olive is how can she be horse of the year? She may not have even been the best Philly and Mare sprinter. That honor could very easily, it won't go to, but it, it could, you know, just purely on talent, could easily be Echo Zulu. Uh, you know, not to, not to bring up terrible things, but... Maple Leaf Mel, who knows what she could have ended up being had we not had that unfortunate incident up at Saratoga. So I I would have to rule out Goodnight Owl just on, on that basis alone. Resume solid, she's going to win champion older uh excuse me champion sprinter for the Phillies. But I I would have a difficult time with her as a finalist for horse of the year thinking that there may have actually been a better horse Or two, possibly even in her own division. Okay, so there's two horses that I don't love. I understand the logic for White Barrio. Don't love it. Cody's Wish. Again, we are for this piece right now. We are separating story from horse. Okay, three Grade One wins, a Grade Two win, and a third in a Grade One. I think that is certainly qualification for finalist the Whitney the Whitney is always going to be the thing that sticks in the back of my mind but to be fair you know he clearly just didn't want to go that far you look at the rest of his races there's really not much you can knock and I think it's easy to forget maybe the field wasn't awesome but to be fair White Barrio was in the race His Met Mile was fantastic. One of the better races of the year for any horse. So I could see, I would have no no qualms, no quips, no issues with Cody's wish being a finalist for horse of the year. Separating, just purely talking about the horse's merit. Then you get into... Some of the tougher calls, right? Let's say there are going to be three finalists. White of Barrio, in all likelihood, will be a finalist. How about this horse? Three Grade One wins, second in a Grade One, and a third in a Grade One. Now, maybe this is when you need to factor in what those second and thirds were, which races were they in, how were they earned. This is up to the mark finished second in the Breeders' Cup turf behind August Rodin, and it took an ideal trip from a two-time Derby winner over in Europe to defeat this horse who was going a mile and a half for the first time. Grade 1 wins all over the place. Belmont Park, Keeneland, Churchill Downs nearly won a Grade 1 at San going a mile and a half. I think if it were me just deciding who the finalists are, who the best horses are, this, that, and the other, just my opinion, this is the best horse on this list. And I haven't even revealed the other two names yet, but to me, up to the mark, his campaign from start to finish, what he did against the competition that he did it against. Did he win the big one? No. I would argue he ran the best race given the ground loss First time at 12 furlongs, X, Y, and Z. I think up to the mark is the most talented horse on this list. Doesn't mean he's going to win because so much onus is put on the Breeders' Cup. And again, when you factor in some of the other sort of, I don't want to say circumstantial things, but, you know, he's a turf horse. Turf horses in the United States don't get sort of the the love and the shine that they probably deserve. Another story for another day. Two Grade One wins, a Grade Two win, a Grade Three One, and a second in a Grade One. Talking about Elite Power. Purely on the clock, Elite Power might actually be the, in terms of you know air quotes best. I'm making the case for up to the mark. I think there's a real case to be made that Elite Power, who I thought was was tailing off, was one of the things I was wrong about Breeders' Cup weekend. I just wasn't convinced that he was going to be quite as good at Santa Anita, quite as good with potentially a softer pace, and maybe he was going the wrong direction. Wrong, 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 wrong. He may have ran the the best race of his career. And I think the other thing about Elite Power that's so fascinating is this is a campaign that spanned the entire year. He raced all over the world, quite literally, not just all over the country, but he started the campaign over in Saudi Arabia. You know, I think the problem, if you're trying to build a case for elite power, is two grade ones, just just that alone is going to be difficult to make you a true candidate, I think, when you just compare numbers, when you're just looking at how many G1s and G2s are there. He lags a little bit behind some of the the bigger contenders. And then you get to the horse whose resume, if you are just stacking up wins and losses, you get to the horse that I think blind test, if you just heard win grade one, win grade one, win grade one, win grade two, win grade three, win ungrade stakes second in a grade two, that sounds a hell of a lot better than anything else I've listed from the other five horses. So why am I not all in on Idiomatic being horse of the year? I, I just thought that Breeders' Cup Distaff was so painfully slow at the end. So slow. Doesn't mean she didn't run a big race because the pace was hot. She was close to it. And she just kept boxing on. But man, the final quarter mile—it was like, whew. I think her best fig is a one hundred and one. She's not overly fast. She never really has been. That older division just kind of came apart at the seams. You wonder, Claryer, if she gets a clean run. Does she get up there in time? I mean, there's so many things, and I—I I know she did what she was asked to do. I, I still, I I think it would be poor form if she were not a finalist, but I don't think she should win. I, sh- I shouldn't say that. I, I, sh- I don't want to say I don't think she should win. I would not vote for her. If she were to win, I wouldn't be, I, I mean, look, th- th- this is all public vote. I, I wouldn't be, I'm not going to be pissy pants about any of these horses winning. I'm just giving you my opinion, my two cents. Idiomatic, I wouldn't vote for, but I could understand absolutely why she deserves looks in that department. Purely on ability, it is my opinion that up to the mark is the most talented of these six horses I just ripped off. I think in all likelihood, Cody's Wish ends up winning the award. Idiomatic probably deserves to be a finalist as well. But if there can only be three finalists, are you really going to leave a horse that won the Whitney and the Breeders' Cup Classic out of that group? Probably not. So someone's on the outside looking in, in which case probably the turf horse up to the mark. I I don't know. I don't know. But it's going to be very interesting to see how everything shakes down as we get closer and closer to Eclipse Awards time. That'll be in January. But there's going to be a lot of talk about these horses and this group specifically how do you separate who are the finalists for Horse of the Year? And ultimately, who do you believe is Horse of the Year? Let me know beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter. You can DM me, at Bernie or underscore Matt. It is just a... And, and really, at, at the end of the day, does it make a, a giant difference one way or the other? No, of course not. There's There's bigger stuff to worry about. But in terms of where we're at with... You know, I mean, from Hall of Fame standpoint, if you're thinking about some of these horses down the road, yeah, that's that is a difference maker. So, let me know your thoughts about that division and all the divisions, really, if we're talking about year-end awards. Because most of the big races have come and gone. We have still got a couple of big races to come, whether it be the Clark here at Churchill Downs, or you'll have the Scar Mile up in New York. Um, Delmar opens up on Friday, so there's still some some racing that that could make some. Some hay and have some effect, but for all intents and purposes, the big, the big races have come and gone, and now it's a matter of just going through the resumes and deciding who's do you think is the best. Let's move to I said week nine, it's week ten, in the National Football League. Uh, I mentioned Thursday night game is ongoing. Let's check the score. My projection for this game was Chicago twenty, Carolina seventeen, and as my phone. Updates. It is ten to three with seven minutes to go in the second quarter. Um, let's see. Okay, so they just traded field goals since, uh, and the Bears have the ball. Midfield. Now they're over midfield now. Okay, so just a, a crummy game. What else is new? Uh, but that's what I have for projection on Thursday night. Twenty to seventeen. Let's now. There are going to be a few games that will make many of you roll your eyes. And to be honest, I rolled my eyes a little bit too when the numbers came out. I have four games. One, two, three, four. I didn't go down to the tenth of a point. I could have to try to separate who, you know, got the nod, who was the pick. In each of these cases, I would say take the points because I have four games with identical projections. Four different games. Now, a couple of them are really tight on the line. One of them, though, one of the teams is catching a fair bit of points, and I've got them playing to a, an equal number. So we'll talk about that momentarily. Uh, Colts and Pats in Germany. Patriots stink. What else is new? Uh, I have the Colts winning 22-18. to 18. Browns and Ravens. I have Baltimore winning 25-18. to 18. Here we go. You ready? Four-pack of level footing. Green Bay at Pittsburgh, 19-19. to 19. Gross versus gross. Houston at Cincinnati. Now, last I saw at FanDuel, this line was Cincinnati by six and a half. Six or six and a half. I have 21-21. My fear is that the number's too low, the total. I can see these two teams kind of marching up and down the field, but it it does seem like the points with Houston kind of appealing. I think Houston's good. I, I don't think they're a, a Super Bowl contender, but but they're. I think they're legit. I think they're real. Uh, I have them rated. Uh, I did, uh, blah, 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 blah. Houston, I have rated 11th overall, you know, I don't think that's crazy, I've got them rated at 23.7, with an average rating of 21.1, so uh, call it 2.5 points, better than average. That puts them right in the same vein as the. Uh, that puts them right there with the Chargers, the Vikings. You know the Saints. And I think they fit in that company. Uh, where are we now? What's next? Start scrolling around. You lose your place. Uh, Saints and Vikings. Twenty-two, twenty-two. Another game. I, I'm not super interested in. Um, I did think one of the coolest stories. Last week was the fact that Josh Dobbs just shows up and wins a game, and he couldn't pick any of his teammates out of a lineup if he had to. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to replicate that. The Saints probably should be better than they are, but neither here nor there. Uh, Titans and Bucks, Gross versus gross. I know some people are really enthralled by Will Levis. Uh, Way too early. Way too early to to be making a call one way or the other. I have 19-19 there. So those four games don't really do a hell of a lot for me with the exception of the Texans and Bengals, and I think I'd be interested in taking the points there with Houston. Now, we get a little bit of separation. San Francisco at Jacksonville. I have San Fran winning 25-21. to 21. It seems like a lot of people are off the 49ers bandwagon. I think that's kind of a mistake. I have them rated second. I've really I kind of have two teams above everyone else. I have Baltimore and San Francisco and then everyone else. My 3 through 6 are separate my 3 through shit. My 3 through 9 are separated by 1.3 points. It's very very close. Very, very close. So, But once you get past Baltimore and San Fran, eh, throw the rest of them up. I I wonder if this is a time where you buy a little low. A little low, not that they've fallen off the face of the earth, but you can buy a little bit low on San Francisco. I, I still believe in them all around. I've got them winning by four at Jacksonville, Atlanta at Arizona. I've got the Falcons 22-17. to 17, Wouldn't touch that game. Uh, Lions at Chargers. I've got Detroit twenty-five, Chargers twenty-three. Should be a fun game anyway. I, I don't know if it'll be a good game, but another one where the the public seems to like the Lions. Uh, the Giants and the Cowboys. I've Dallas winning twenty-five to thirteen. That should be a gross game, just because I don't think the Giants can do anything on offense these days. Uh, the Commanders and the Seahawks. I've got Seattle twenty-three to twenty. Another game I'm not super interested in. Jets and Raiders on Sunday night. How is this the Sunday night game? Good grief. Uh, I have the Jets winning by one. 19-18. And then we get to Monday night. The Broncos in Buffalo to take on the Bills. I have Buffalo winning 27-18. to 18. Let me know. Again, any thoughts here with Week 10 in the National Football League? Any thoughts on the Horse of the Year topic? Any thoughts on... Just racing in general, gambling in general, whatever you want to talk about beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, you can send me a direct message at Bernie or underscore Matt. Uh, still, I'm in Louisville. We've got a few days left at Churchill Downs this week, FanDuel TV. You can catch all the action there. I'll go home for a couple days. I'll come back for next week. I'll be here Wednesday through Sunday. I'll go back home for a couple days and I'll be back down here Thanksgiving week, right through the holiday. I'll go home after that, home off for a week, not doing any work, and then I head down to Florida to kick off the championship meet at Gulfstream Park. Uh, I guess the championship meet technically starts the day after Christmas, I think. I'm going to get down there a little bit early, kind of go through those those first few weeks of December, get all of our stuff situated down there, and get ready for the winter. be down there again for FanDuel TV. Uh, again, questions, comments, concerns beneath the video player on YouTube. The schedule. I think I'm taking next week off from the pod. And let me on the fly pull this up and see where we're at. We're winding down the year um, for 23 for this show. <clears throat> Excuse me. And actually, as I'm going through this, because I'm sure there's no way this is going to pop up when it should, right? Uh, No, of course not. So let me pause this. Okay, so there are four shows left this year. Okay. i going to take next week off. Or do I take Thanksgiving week off? I don't know. i got to think about it. If there's not a show next week, it's because I took a week off. If there is a show, then I mean one of the upcoming weeks I take a week off. I'd like to have the last show, though, before Christmas, before the holiday season. Uh, one of these final four shows, I I would say hopefully the last one is going to be a final look back at 2023 in terms of the picks that I've given out on NBC and FanDuel TV and kind of give the the final soup to nuts there and hopefully kick it off again next year. I'll certainly be doing it on my own, but hopefully here in the the podcast platform as well. Um, So yeah, and if you want to hear anything else for those other three shows that are still left, Again, direct message on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt or beneath the video player on YouTube. That's going to do it for episode 180 of the pod. Until next time, best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been the Matt Bernier Show.